Today, we're talking about one of the most important things you can do in the world of understanding your email subscribers. And also one of the things that makes it more profitable than what most people are doing. It's something that we all know we should be doing, but most of us are not doing a very good job of it. What we're talking about, Rob? It's all about segmentation. Lovely. Like, like, like what? Like you'd cut your sandwiches up. Or toast. Are you, do you cut it in half or little triangles or little squares? Are you joking? Deadly serious. We're talking about toast on the podcast. Or sandwiches. Or sandwiches. Great. In that case, we'll have the uh, we'll have the show notes for this entire episode once we get through it. All over at blog.responsesweet.com slash sandwiches. Let's do that. Robin Kennedy can get inside your head. Whatever next. Now they can help you see how your subscribers think instead. You've got to live. old nonsense again. <laughs> I know. But we're talking about some really advanced stuff today because it's the stuff that we know we should all be doing, this segmentation thing, but we aren't all doing it probably as well as we could be, which means there are people falling through the cracks and receiving the wrong emails and getting stuff that's irrelevant to them, which means their interest in us is is, is lower than the I bet could there's be. loads of people out there who are thinking, well, I've, oh, I'm not really doing any of this segmentation stuff. Mm-hmm. It sounds complicated. But actually, it's not if we give you the first example, example of segmentation i bet there'll be loads of people who go oh I, I do do that come on then rob give us the first example of segmentation so if you've got a bunch of different products or services that you buy or sell uh-huh uh, sorry you sell not buy that you sell and somebody <laughs> goes ahead and they buy one of those products or services mm-hmm. you're unlikely unless it's a consumable you're unlikely to email them about that thing again Right. So, for example, I've got this amazing course about how to cut your sandwiches into triangles. Stop it with the bloody sandwiches. <laughs> I have. I've got an amazing course about how you cut sandwiches into different shapes. Oh, because we need a bloody course on that. Exactly. It's a hypothetical course. And now what it's happens a pathetical is... course. <laughs> so now what happens is you come along, because you're a very sad man, and you buy it. Right? Great. You're on my list. Yes. I am now, whenever I promote with that course... With the rest course, of the freaks. <laughs> You ran away with the sandwich circus. I am now not going to email you about that course ever again. Right. Because you're on a list or a tag or something about that particular course. I know this is dead basic, but just to get it out there, is this is the concept of what segmentation is. Right. I now know that you're in a segment of my list that isn't going to need to hear about that Can again. I give you a slightly more realistic example? And that is you might have two different opt-in bribes that you're giving people. And one of them, let's say you're a social media manager. I know a lot of people in our audience are, right, who do social media for people. And you've got an opt-in bribe, which is about Facebook stuff. And you've segmented them into, oh, they like Facebook stuff. And you've got another bunch of people who are into Twitter and you segment them into another bunch of people they're on a different list or they've got different tags which says, oh, they like Twitter. That's a slightly better example than stupid sandwiches. My point was, most people might not be doing that right now. They might not be interest that people might opt in for a thing and then they just start emailing our listeners are smart man rob they're not all like you (laughs) my point was we all understand what segmentation is because you all segment people out of receiving a thing they've already bought okay so now we're going to go a bit more advanced and think okay great how can we apply that principle 
to other things like what you just said. Yes, exactly. So what we're going to share with you is a whole bunch. I don't know how many we've got written down this scrappy piece of paper down here. We've got. Oh, I'm going to go with six. I reckon. I reckon we've got six different sort of ways to segment people so you have a better understanding of them. Now, by doing this, it means you can put basically that classic market and stuff we've all heard of since, since school, which is about putting more relevant offers in front of the right people every single time. So you're not emailing all of the people who love corned beef sandwiches about chicken sandwiches. Ah, I've got you now. Ah, yes. Excellent. I've got, I've Great. Got, I've got under your skin. <laughs> you got right between So we've talked love. about a couple of things there already. Purchases. People buy something, don't email about that thing anymore, but mm. you could sell them stuff that's sort of relevant to that topic. That's the first one. Okay, so you're going to segment them by the product they've purchased. And in your system, you might tag them or put them into different lists or different segments based on what that product is. So again, like you say, in a most simplistic view, they're not going to be sold that product again. So you've bought X course, don't keep promoting X course. That's going to annoy people. Grant. Okay, that's usually done by integrating your shopping cart with your email marketing system. Right. Right? Good. Lovely. But you also might want to tag them with the related interests. So Yes, they might have bought your Facebook ads course. So you know they're interested in ads, paid advertising, and Facebook. You're not going to promote your Facebook ads course to them again, but you you know they're interested in paid ads, so you might have like a warm-up sequence that takes them through understanding why YouTube ads are great to start warming them up from one section to the other, which says, hey, the difference between Facebook ads and YouTube ads is this and this and this, and then move them through that. So you're going to you're gonna have a bit more intelligence to it, I think, than just going, oh, don't sell them that thing again, right? So that's that next level, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think that what you can, and you can easily start to implement this. You can easily look at your products and say, do you know what? If somebody buys that course or that thing, I can instantly think of four or five topics, the obvious one, like for example, if they buy a Facebook ads course, you know they're interested in Facebook, you know they're interested in ads. You can start to expand that and think of four or five things that they're definitely going to be interested in. And now you can tag them with those things. So just, just thinking through your existing products and then saying, hmm, how can I go and add it so that it'll tag them or list segment them or something based on that purchase. Really so that's powerful. the first one. So that's based on I just purchases. want to point out, by the way, we yes. don't live, our office isn't in a police station or a hospital because we uh, keep hearing no, these sirens But it is in a, on a crime scene. <laughs> and, and we're right next door to the set of casualty. This is murder she didn't write. That's what this is. That's where we are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's so weird. I, hope, I don't know if they can hear that or not, but uh, uh, we, we, we can hear it. Oh, yeah. So they definitely we can. can hear what they can hear. Can we, we can hear what they can hear. Uh, that's, that's, that's new, isn't it? All right, okay. The second one is what we sort of... So we've got purchases. That's grand. That's what they've bought from you. The second one is what I alluded to, which was opt-in. So it's based on the things they joined your list for, how you bribed them to join your universe. So if they, like I said, if they join your list to say, oh, I'm interested in Facebook ads, then you tag them with that. And similarly, if they said they're interested in YouTube, you'll tag them with that. So now we've got a segment based on not just when they've paid with their money, but they've actually invested with their email address, which is more valuable than ever, right? Definitely. I've got nothing more to say on that. I think that's fairly straightforward. I think we're all smart people. I think we know where we're going with that. Good. I think that's the end of the episode. Excellent. No. <laughs> Number three. Number three. So the next one is their sort of big challenge, their big obstacle. What is it that they're facing right now? What's their big right. problem? And so I think it's really easy as marketers for us to just assume that because we wrote that piece of copy and that that sort of reeled them in or because we got them onto our list in the first place that we are understand. One of the big mistakes people make, I think, is thinking that our subscribers are like us. Yes. So 
How many times do we have that in the office here at Response Week? Well, I wouldn't do that and have to go back. Oh, whenever we hear those words, you have to remember, yeah, but you're, you're not the customer. Exactly. And even if you're like, well, you know, my, cus- my customers are where I was three years ago, which is another dangerous approach. Yeah. You still have to realize, well, time's moved on since then. They're in a different place. And the truth is, even if your audience is, and this is the example I use all the time, is women in their 30s who've just had a baby and are looking to go back to work. That sounds like- Let a me good re- self. That's exactly. That sounds like a really, really tight sort of niche, doesn't it? Mm. But the truth is they all have different desires, different wants, different pains, different situations. Some of them have loads of money. Some of them have no money. And suddenly they're all, some of them are motivated by work and have a vocation. Others don't want to go back to work. There's all these things. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly you realize that everybody is so, so different. Mm -hmm. And therefore you have to sort of treat their challenges differently. Yes, absolutely. So some of their challenge in that instance might be people who don't want to go back to work in the first place. Others might be desperate to go back to work, but can't get a job. And suddenly you realize, oh, crikey, when you look at that, you go in this obscure little market. Yeah, another example is obviously we're a software company. So software companies might have different challenges. Some of them might be struggling to get people to take the free trial. Right. If they have a free trial model, some people might be struggling to move, like one of our clients who is a guy who coaches people in helping move SaaS, their SaaS company customers from free trial to paid. So yeah. that's, that's the next phase. And then what about retention? What about long-term customer value? What about upselling and maximizing the customer value? So there's a lot of different phases that people might be at. And the amount of LinkedIn messages I get from people trying to help me with the wrong stage of our business right. um, is, is unbelievable. And I'm sure that's a frustration for a lot of people people with cooled outreach because usually cooled outreach is poorly segmented right mm-hmm. so, so that, that comes brings us the, on yeah yeah that moves us on to the stage of business right so making sure that you you segment people by the stage of their business that they're at so it's a really good thing to ask people where are you? Are you pre-start? Is it just an idea? Are you um, are you in the raising funding round, if that's part of what your model would look like or your customers look like? Are you at the, I'm um, starting to acquire leads, but I'm, where are they? Are they one year in? Are they five years in? And what are the questions you could ask people to determine their stage of business? It's not like, it's not always how many years have you been around? It might be, what's your revenue? Or because how they many- could have been going for years, but failing. Absolutely. In which case the years means nothing. Yeah, so you need to make like a cumulative judgment call based on the years, the revenue, how many customers, uh, how many employees are in the business, how is the business funded? There's a whole, and it's going to depend on what your niche is, but you'll be able to figure out a bunch of questions that allow you to understand that. This obviously totally applies in B2C markets in terms of their stage of where they are. So for example, if you teach dog training- I was going to say, dog training is a cracking example. Then suddenly, okay, great. So have they just got a brand new puppy and now they're, you know, they're trying to get their sort of foot started because they've never yeah. had a dog before. Mm-hmm. Are they trying, are they looking for a dog? I wonder if a dog's for me. I mean, that's That's pre- even pre-start, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, pre-start. Yeah. Yeah. So this applies 100% outside of business to business stuff sure. um, as well. You just have to think about, okay, great. In their sort of journey with this thing, mm-hmm. where are they? Mm-hmm. And that's a really valuable thing to know. Um, we've got a friend and client who has a salsa school, a salsa dancing school. Yep. And if somebody's a beginner and they've got eight left feet and they don't know what to do, they're <laughs> going to have to be treated, tret? Trot, treated very differently. Trotted. <laughs> very differently to somebody who's actually been going for a really long time and is yes. just looking to keep up their skill. Yeah. So where are they? What stage are they at? And make sure you enter that conversation so that people don't go, this person doesn't understand me. That's what yeah. it is.
One thing you've got loads of opportunities to do in terms of segmentation is there are, and we're going to talk about these in another episode, but there's loads and there's the ambulance again. There's loads and loads of opportunity. It's because I'm going to pass out with how good this content is. <laughs> um, there's loads and loads of opportunities to find out what sort of content your people are engaging with yeah. and then work it out from that. So a bit like we said, if they buy a product or if they opt in for a thing, you have some sort of interests you can glean from that. Likewise, if somebody looks at a blog post or you know something else, again, you can talk about you can instantly decide these are the things i need to talk about they've clicked on that thing about facebook ads so i know they're interested in social media facebook ads I'm, media buying i'm always amazed that when you send a link to a piece of content even if it's non-sales content or if it is sales content the amount of people who don't tag people based on the on the link clicks unbelievable if you're sending somebody a link to go and view a piece of content or watch a sales video which you're saying is about x thing when the person clicks on that that is a signal to you that the person's interested in something about that so you should be tagging them with that and uh, a lot of people are not doing that. It's a really simple way of doing it. I mean, every time they click on a link in an email, they're raising their hand and they're engaging with you. Whether right. that's whether that is a click to a sales page, like you said, or it's just a click to a blog post or a podcast episode or a YouTube video. And I mean, so it, yeah. bear in mind, we think about, you know, when people disengage with us, and we're going to talk about re-engagement in another episode. Sure. When, when that happens, all we're looking to get them to do again is start clicking and start clicking and start clicking. Absolutely. So every time they do click, treat that as like a powerful opportunity. It's massive. And we'll talk about in a future episode as well about ways of measuring these things and different strategies you can use to actually glean this data. We're not going to leave you high and dry on it. We're going to give you all that in a future episode as well. But the final sort of way of, of, of divvying people up is to is, is via the demographics. So what information about that person is useful? And demographic data is the thing that everyone t thinks about and talks about when it comes to segmentation. And in some niches and some markets, it's the most useful thing. And in others, it's not very useful at all. So for example, if uh, like a lot of our customers, you're in the fitness niche, a lot of our friends as well, in the fitness niche, demographic data is very, very useful because the way you train a female of a certain age bracket, who's at a certain stage of their life, who's training for, a, I don't know, a long, a, a big fitness event will be very different to the way that you treat and train and educate a Let's go the opposite side of the coin. A male at a different point in their life who is trying to achieve, a, like who's trying to lose weight, for example. Right. Very, very different. So the challenge that they're facing is, in this case, was they're trying to lose weight or they're training for an event. That's great. But the demographic data is which stage of your life are you at? Because bodies change and the chemical makeup of your body changes over time. And those people understand that stuff. I haven't got a clue evidently and uh, but also male bodies and female bodies work differently because of hormone levels and all this sort of stuff as well so that demographic data is going to help but it's not just for the fitness niche right no and it works in everything you know again if you're thinking about running live events and you know that i want to run a live event that is in the uk and another one that's in the us yeah chances are it's going to make the most sense to only target people in the uk for the uk one now don't get me wrong i know some people do travel internationally but if you're going to do two events then just target the uk people for that one just target the US people for that one. So again, there's different levels of demographics from age, gender, location, mm. all of that stuff, socioeconomic group, all of the stuff that Oof. matters, Oof. long word, big, long big, word, big, big. Um, 
all that stuff that matters. And the, the easiest thing to do with all of this segmentation stuff, really, is to look at your products or your services and think, what is it that would be useful for me to know if I was going to have a one-on-one -on -one sales conversation with that person and start well-informed? Like, yeah. even if you're not going to have a one-on-one -on -one sales conversation, mm -hmm. you effectively are by email. It's easy to think of email as being this sort of mass broadcast thing where I send an email and it goes out to loads of people. And even if that is the case, and it is the case, mm. you have to realise that actually, if you're sending it to a segment of people who are this age and this gender and fall into this demographic, then actually you're only sending it to that little segment of people or that yes. little segment of people. And that's like having lots of little one-on-one -on -one conversations all of a sudden. And what's nice is rather than thinking, I'm currently running this one promotion to my whole list, so I've got no space for other promotions. Actually, you end up with the ability to do lots of simultaneous um, in tandem promotions running in parallel, which is absolutely beautiful, mm. isn't it? Definitely. I think, I mean, that's a massive stuff there. We're actually gonna go now into a brand new feature. Are you excited, Robert? I am very excited. So this is called... Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. In this piece of the... In this segment of this new feature of the, of the podcast, we are going to look at one of our favourite subject lines that we've read. And so this week, we want to talk about a lovely email that I received from Scott Ulford. Mm -hmm. And the subject line was, goes like this. We're going to sort of dissect why we think that works and sort of share some sort of inner, inner goodies on that. So his subject line, again, you'll see all of this on the show notes, which is blog.responsesweet.com slash sandwich. Thanks, Rob, for that, by the You're way. You're welcome. You are uh, welcome. Yeah, you are welcome. Such sandwich. And that, his, his subject line is two stars. Is that a fancy word for stars? Asterisk. Oh, they're the one. I can't see it. Asterisk and obelix. <laughs> <laughs> two asterisks. Yeah. Sorry. And then it says an epic an epic uppercase experiment revealed and then two stars yeah and there's a little space between the two asterisks on each end of the sentence yeah so it's a lot of good space and so it really stands out there so why do you think that's been such a re I mean, that really stood out for me in my, in my inbox i know for you when we were looking through before we're like that's a damn good subject like so what is it for you let's first of all just go on bold even if you couldn't read the words even sure, if you if, didn't speak this language right, right? if you were scrolling down which is one inbox, of the things to think about like how does this thing look right, right? if somebody was squinting at it yeah, yeah, how just sort it of scrolling through that's going by in a blur like we do on the news feed often yeah. like on our social media the first thing that you notice is because of the two uh, stars mm -hmm. i'm going to say that instead of asterisks yes it's easy instead of it? the two stars that means that now the first word which is an an epic um is indented by right. half an inch and an because inch. of the stars as well there's a lot of white space around it which right. gives us like this idea that it's sort of standing out on its own so visually it looks great then we have the word epic and uppercase on its own yeah which is really nice everything else is lowercase so the, the word an yeah lowercase. it's all lowercase which is really nice but so that's to do with like how the thing looks which is something not many of us i mean i certainly don't pay attention to but i bloody am now uh, gonna be paying attention to how it looks in there how it stands out so that's good um what else about that really works for you? So I, I've always liked the curiosity, I suppose. It's a bit more than curiosity. It's like curiosity on steroids of, of the experiment. The idea of that, like, oh, I it's tried curiosity this with a bit of credibility because I like it sounds like really scientific, doesn't it's it? It's sort of like, do you remember Mythbusters, the TV show? Yes, yeah, right, great, great show. idea. They take a thing and then they make loads of crazy experiments. Like, Blow for things me, up, it's like. man in lab coat with mental hair. Yes. Is that us? That's us. Man in lab. Men we should in do the show coat. now on, on in lab coats. Honestly, if you watch this on YouTube in the future, expect to see us in lab coats. That's going to happen. <laughs> As if we can. I uh, just had some idea of time travel. If you're watching this in the future, <laughs> what? <laughs> Never mind. If you're watching this from the future, was what it sounded like you said. Anyway, um, I, experiment for me has this interesting scientific hook. Like it yes. makes you think. Oh, what's he been doing? 
It's got credibility. It's got science behind it. And the fact it's going to be revealed apparently in this email tells me that this is almost like complete. Right. So I think that's a really strong, really, really strong piece. I think it's a good contender for the... Uh, for the what? The subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. Subject line of the week. There it is. Now, of course, it's now time for listeners' questions. If you haven't left us a listener's... By the way, thanks to everybody who has. Bloody hell, has my inbox just been overflowing with all of these. I think it's because, as a listener, you get to go to blog.responsefree.com slash show and record a voice message for us, a voicemail for us, with your question. And this week, Kim... Please make it about email marketing. Please, please, please do. Okay, this this is Kim Doyle's question for us this week. Hey, what's up? This is Kim Doyle from KimDoyle.com. My question on email marketing is what is the best type of email follow-up sequence to use for new subscribers? Mm. Example, I used to do sort of a, hey, thanks for subscribing. Be sure to check your email. Then I would go into, you can connect with me here, read this here, sort of generic responses. I'm now thinking there might be a better type of sequence that serves the subscriber versus more about me. Mm. What are your thoughts? It's hmm. a great question. It is. And we're going to try and answer it. Well, first of all, we have to find out how we're going to answer it. Oh, how are we going to answer it? Have you well, got any ideas? The only thing we could do to do this justice yes. would be to find out what would Julie Andrews do? What would Julie Andrews do? And we're going to try and figure that out in less in two minutes. So, I'll go first on this one, Rob, because you ate all my time last week, and as you can see, I'm treading water now to eat some of yours. <laughs> You're welcome. So, one of the things I think a lot of people do is it's become a real trend that when people join your list, whether they opt in or they buy a low value, a low price point offer, is to now start upselling them up like an ascension ladder of products which will increase in price and usually value, hopefully. But what I like to do instead is break that mold. So, when we've talked about this a lot before, is to zig when other people are zagging. And what I like to do is actually focus on building a deep relationship and proving my value to them by forcing consumption. So let's say, for example, the person's opted into an ebook or they've bought a, a low-cost ebook just for the sake of, uh, of simplicity. Obviously, apply this to your videos and stuff like that, video courses, etc. And then imagine if the sequence that of emails that goes to them immediately after is actually telling them, oh, have you seen this on page 26 where I talk about this thing? So your emails all lead with powerhouse way to achieve X result that they're looking for and the answer in the email that they're expecting to be sold on is instead go and check out page 24 that thing that you already have and that pushes them to consume that deep in the relationship proving you're an expert and obviously zigging when other people are zagging I love that it's a slight twist on what you're currently doing which is sending them to your additional content and getting them to consume that like blog posts and podcasts and whatever instead send them over to the thing they've just engaged with they've just bought they've just opted in for really really cool I think the other thing is I'd love to call you back this kind of talks about what we've talked about in this episode, which is do something that allows you to find out more about what they want. Okay. So again, what most people do is somebody would opt into your list and then you would just start trying to sell them whatever seems to make sense to you at that point in time. But it just because it makes sense to you doesn't mean it'll make sense to them. So right. try and find out exactly what it is that they actually want to buy based on seg- and segment them and then put them down a different channel and sell them that thing first. Don't sell them the thing you're going to sell them first just because it happens to be first in your follow-up sequence. Right. Sell them the thing that is going to be first and it's first because they actually want it. They actually want to buy that particular thing. 
and we did it in just two minutes. We are almost like professionals on this show. <laughs> I tell you, wow, we, wow, that was a that was another cracking episode. I hope you agree. If you do agree, and you're a new listener, first of all, high five, hello, all new listeners, and welcome back to all the regular listeners. Do us a massive favour. Go to your podcast player of choice and leave us a review. Take a screenshot of that review because if you email it to us at podcast at responsesuite.com, email us a screenshot of your review as you've posted it, and we will send you a really cool thing that we're working on. We're working on a really cool little mini course. It's going to be completely free for you. We'll send it over to you as soon as it's ready. We'll give you more details in future episodes about what it is, but just email us your review, a little picture of your review, and as soon as it's ready, we will send you instant access to that thing. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Again, all of the show notes are at blog.responsory.com forward slash sandwich. Yes, you're welcome. <sighs> Such a disappointment. <laughs> oh, let's see you next week. Oh, let's do it. The-